The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. I'd like to continue to speak about the hindrances today. I've been speaking about the hindrances when I've been here for the last number of weeks. And just as a little overview or a reminder about the hindrances. Um, the term hindrances conjures up something for us. It, generally, we, we think of something that gets in our way or blocks us, something hindering us. And the hindrances are understood to be states of mind that do get in the way of our mind settling down. And yet they're only really in the way when we don't notice them. So when we're caught in them or we're uh, believing them to be something. So the five, there are five states of mind that the, the Buddha identified as being particularly ones that tend to uh, get in the way of our ability to settle our minds, to get concentrated, collected. And these five are uh, sense desire, ill will, sloth and torpor, or sleepiness, dullness, restlessness and anxiety, or agitation, and doubt. So these states of mind can obstruct our uh, ability to settle. They can get in the way of our sense of well-being. And yet only when, or let's say, when we can be aware of them, recognize them clearly for what they are, they no longer function as hindrances. Instead, they function as a place where we can wake up a place where we can understand something about our minds. And so we don't have to have a combative relationship with our hindrances. We don't have to have a sense that I have to get rid of this in order to do my meditation. Instead, can the, the state of sleepiness or dullness or anxiety or doubt or, or uh, aversion or wanting, can we know that? What is it like to be a human being experiencing that state of mind? That very turning towards will be our pathway. Will be our pathway to understanding ourselves. And what I've found, at least in my own practice, when I turn towards those experiences with mindfulness, when I recognize, oh, right, okay, rather than being caught in aversion, oh, this is aversion. Aversion is happening there's a a kind of a shift in my heart where I no longer feel quite so caught or trapped by that aversion. And instead, it it becomes a, a way I can learn something about how my mind gets pulled into aversion. There's a beautiful poem. Many of you have probably heard this poem before, but it's so beautiful. I'll read it anyway. It's called The Guest House by Rumi. And it kind of speaks to this question of turning towards or not resisting these difficulties in our, in our lives. 
this human being, sorry, I'll start again. This being human is a guest house. Every morning a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all, even if they are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture. Still, treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice. Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whatever comes, because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. And to me, this speaks to the way when these difficulties arise, what we're meeting, actually, what we're meeting is our own conflict with the world, our own, mm, our own way that we uh, have difficulty meeting reality, the way we have trouble accepting being with things as they are. And so what we're meeting in those difficulties is our own mind. We're reading that way our own mind responds to the world. And that response to the world is something that is not immediately within our power to to shift and change, but can be shifted through recognizing it, through understanding it. It will shift. It's not actually something we do to shift it. It's more the meeting, the turning towards the awareness and the understanding of these difficulties that is the transformation. So today I'd like to um, look at the, the fifth of these hindrances, the hindrance of doubt. There's so many different ways that we doubt. And I'd like to hear it from you, just to draw out from you, what are the kinds of things, what are the ways that doubt comes for you? And just call them out. I'll repeat them for the, for the mic. What's the point? What's the point? So is that, is that um, about life in general or about the practice per se? Okay, so what, what's the point of life? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh-huh. There must be a hidden flaw. There must be a hidden flaw. And again, is this around, one of the things I want to draw out here is whether these um, are relating to the practice or to, because there's a distinction in the understanding of the, the definition um, about whether it relates to the practice or to in general things in our lives. So, can you speak it's to a that? Okay, so it is so both in a way. I see. Okay. Okay, okay, so the, that is bringing both together. So the, the, what, what she said just for the, for the recording, um, that this is a pattern that um, 
has happened in her life and yet it is applying to the practice that essentially um, looking, what I'm interpolating here or extrapolating from what you said, but essentially the practice asks us to let go and a part of the doubt being, what if I let go of too much? You know, is that, is that okay? So that's, that's in the realm of the, the doubt around practice in a way. Doubt in either my capacity to meet things as I let go or in the wisdom of that teaching essentially yeah anything and other things yeah doubt that if you're in a difficult situation it will ever end okay so doubt that a difficult situation will ever end uh huh So doubt, doubt in your own capacity for the opening of the heart. Yes, that's, that's a really um, familiar one. I'm, I think many of us have that, that doubt. Yeah. Um, doubt that I cannot take the pain. Doubt that you can't take the pain. So a questioning, uh, again, is that in the practice that because the practice opens us, we're asked to open to the pain? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Will, will I survive the pain when I open to the pain? Uh-huh, okay. Anything? Others? Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure if this is doubt. I think it is. Uh, what comes up for me is, am I worthy? And it's actually on both, am I worthy of life? And am I worthy of the peace and possible serenity that okay, yes. Yeah. So, so again, kind of straddling both worlds, am I worthy of happiness in life, and am I worthy of the peace that the practice says it can bring? Thank you. Can I trust this person, or can I trust these people? Can I trust this person or these people? And again, um, I can see that potentially straddling both worlds as well. If you know, the, if you trust this person or these people, you know, just walking down the street, or in the grocery store, or, you know, whatever, or, or friends. Or do I trust these teachers? So both, you know, both sides of it there expressed too. Yeah, Bill. Um, I'm not really suffering. Am I? <laughs> okay, so doubt, doubt about am I really suffering. Actually, that one's an interesting one. I'll, I'll try to come back to that one kind of at the end because that one is, that one um, in a way... Um, can be turned from doubt to inquiry. And that's a really interesting place to look when we have doubt. Can our doubts be turned to inquiry? So I'll try to come back to that towards the, towards the end. So, um, so just to kind of summarize, you know, we have doubts about lots of things. We have doubts about things in our lives, about, you know, is this the right job? Is this the right partner is this you know should i should i do something about this situation at work or should i hang back um you know so there's there's doubts about our lives and there's doubts about the practice you know am i am i worthy of the practice can i do it can i open the heart how about these teachings the Buddha taught, you know, 25, 2600 years ago? What does he know about the, the life working, you know, in this day and age? Um, 
Doubts in the teachers. Doubts in what do they know. Doubts in the practice. This kind of practice maybe, you know, I can't do this kind of practice. Maybe some other practice. So there's different ways that doubt comes up. And in terms of this hindrance of doubt, it is referring to the doubts around practice, teachings, um, what the Buddha taught, the doubt. That is the, the hindrance of doubt, specifically refers to that. Doubts in the world, you know, should, I, should I be with this person? Should I be, uh, you know, what job should I do? There's kind of some similarities in a way in doubt. I mean, doubt, one of the um, analogies that the Buddha used for doubt is it's like being lost in a desert. You know, you, you, know, you just, you take a few steps this way and say, oh, that can't be right. And you go back and you take a few steps that way. Oh, that can't be right. And you go back and take a few steps that way. That can't be right. So it's kind of just this wavering, this vacillation quality of mind. That is the state of doubt in the mind. Um, when it's, when it's um, a state of doubt around the practice, I want to kind of distinguish why the Buddha might distinguish these kinds of doubts. When it's around the practice, when it's, you know, what practice should I do, you know, um, does this teaching make any difference? Essentially, that kind of doubt kind of hamstrings our practice entirely. You know, we doubt that, that it's efficacious. We doubt that it's got a capacity to help us, or we doubt that we have the capacity to help ourselves. And so it kind of stops the practice in its tracks. The other kinds of doubt, which have a similar kind of wavering quality of, you know, oh, should I go, should I take this job, or should I do that job? That, that kind of wavering um, doesn't inherently have to hamstring the practice. We can still have a sense in the eff- efficacy of the practice and have those kinds of waverings. So I would put that kind of wavering almost in the restless category, the restless mind, the mind that can't decide, you know, which way should I go, that way or that way? So the, the, I, I'd, I'd like to explore that distinction, you know, just put that distinction out there. And, um, you know, the, the way that we can work, some of the ways that I'll suggest working with the doubt around the practice, which is the main exploration I'd like to make today, um, can apply to the kinds of doubts in our lives. And also we can look towards the teachings around restlessness, which I talked about a few weeks ago, with those kinds of doubts about you know, what should I do in this life? So this doubt in the practice itself, the doubt of uh, I can't do this or um, what does the Buddha know about um, our modern day and age and how can these teachings possibly relate to what's happening here and now? Um, sometimes they can, these, these kinds of thoughts, and this is one way that doubt primarily manifests, actually, is in thought, in thinking. We find ourselves thinking about the practice, about the teachings, about the teachers, and this is actually one way to begin to recognize that doubt is happening. If you find yourself thinking about the practice, your capacity to practice, 
um, about what, what did the Buddha know anyway, or what do these teachers know anyway, or what practice should I do? If you're thinking about the practice, there's a good chance that doubt is operating. Not necessarily. It might be an overabundance of faith that's operating, or an over, overabundance of, of confidence in a way. It's like, oh, oh, this practice is so great. I should do metta right now, and then do metta for a few minutes. Oh, wait, the practice is so great. I should do mindfulness right now, and not really be able to commit to what's happening because of kind of an overabundance of faith. But if you find yourself thinking about the practice a lot, um, check in and see if there's some doubt there, some sense of, don't know about this, not, not, not sure this is going to work for me. Um, but often what's interesting about those kinds of thoughts is that they can masquerade as wisdom. They sound so wise sometimes. You know, I can't possibly do this practice. You know, everybody else, of course, can do it. But, you know, I've got some (laughs) fundamental flaw in my mind that can't possibly, it can't possibly work for me. And it just sounds like truth, right? I mean, so that's something to recognize that the doubt can, you know, kind of masquerade or, or come in this guise of wisdom. Sure. Oh, why don't you use the mic? When you were saying that um, about I can't meditate, everybody else can do it, uh, besides having low self-esteem, there's an other side of me (laughs) that I'm so special. I'm the only one that can't do it. All of you can do it, but I'm so special. Kind of an inverse, you know, specialness in a way. Yes, like ego spelt backwards or something. Yes, yes, and that's a great thing to recognize, actually, that that, um, uh, in a way, and this is, um, you know, the Buddha talked about this uh, comparing mind as being a form of conceit. And, you know, usually when we hear that word conceit, we think about that I'm so great. But the Buddha said, well, conceit is about whether we think of ourselves better than, worse than, or the same as somebody else. Any of those can be uh, understood to be conceit in the way the Buddha thought about it. So, uh, so to recognize that, that kind of special inverse, you know, that kind of specialness, and just recognize, okay, yeah, that's just the mind doing its conceit thing. That's just the mind. It's, it, you, don't have to, you don't have to, like, say, oh, I'm a bad person for doing this. Like, oh, well, this, is, this is how the mind has been um, conditioned. So can, again, it's always turning towards, can I be with that? Now, the... the, 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 the um, Mind state of um, what was the, the phrase you used? Um, it wasn't self hatred. It was um, I can't remember exactly. Self esteem, low self esteem. That can be a hard mind state to watch because it feels so painful. And yet, um, this is one that I personally worked with 
um, I know a lot about that state of mind and know it is possible from my own experience to change, to, to, to shift. So I'll just say that much about it and then at some another time um, uh, in, the, you know, in the coming months I'll explicitly give a whole talk on that if you'd... If you'd yeah, so, so I'll, um, I'll try to let you know when that's happening. Um, so yeah, I think often the, the question of can this heart open, am I worthy of this practice, is related to that low self-esteem. And so that is, a, it is something to, to work with. And I did work with it by turning towards it and feeling it and being wise knowing when I'd had enough and turning elsewhere. So it's kind of like you take it in small doses. You know, you take just a little bit of it, meet it, recognize it. Yep, that's that feeling of low self-esteem. And now, let me put my attention on something else. So you kind of learn how to touch in and then find a way out of it so that you don't get sucked into the rabbit hole of self-loathing. You can't do it all at once. You can't do it all at once, actually. You get pulled into it. I mean, I've literally gotten up, thrown my shoes on, and run out the door because it got so painful. Right. And so do it, do it before you have to do that. You know, so, you know, the, the, again, it's like, it's like just touch in and put your attention elsewhere. So that's one really key practice around that. Um, you're welcome. <laughs> Um, and I spent, I spent a long time looking at self-hatred, so it wasn't like, you know, go into it all at once and poof, it's gone. You know, it was, it was, a, it was, it was a long time, so it was in and out, in and out, learning how to navigate that terrain, you know, that, oh, I can touch into it and not get pulled into it. I can touch into it and then reground myself. I can, I can be, you know, in that space of, clarity and confidence again. And then from there, can I touch into it again? And then come back so that you, you gain the, the strength to know you don't have to be sucked into the rabbit hole. So, um, let's see. Where, okay, so one of the most important things about doubt, having, since it masquerades as wisdom, um, can masquerade as wisdom is to actually recognize it. Just the just the very recognition of doubt is one of the antidotes to doubt, because doubt can't like um, doubt feeds on ignorance. It feeds on unawareness. Let's say it feeds on not being aware of it, and when we turn our attention and recognize when we can recognize oh this is doubt immediately we've taken away one of the key nourishings of doubt so the the simple recognition so learning to recognize it so for yourself learning to recognize the key stories that you tell yourself um, uh, you know I can't I can't do this, or what does the Buddha know? You know, just whatever, whatever the main story is for you around doubt. And there can be multiple ones. In my own practice, I've seen that um, 
There can be different ways of working with doubt for the different kinds of doubt. So um, certain kinds of doubt seem almost more intellectual, like we're asking ourselves questions or need to be convinced. Like, these teachings, you know, how can this possibly work in this day and age? Or um, how, I mean, I remember early on in my practice, I heard the teaching about turn towards your difficulty. I'm like, well, how's that going to work? If I turn towards my anger, I'm just going to get angrier. You know, what, what sense does that make? So that's, that's a kind of doubt in a way. Um, so um, with this kind of doubt, where it's kind of questioning the capacity of the practice or the, the, the wisdom of the teachings, what I've seen in my own practice is to just kind of say, well... Maybe I should try it and see. The Buddha taught. There's somebody sitting up there who says, yes, it's worked for me. Maybe I should try. From, in my case, I read a book. You know, I read a book that got this, got this instruction. You know, turn towards your difficult emotions. It's like, what? How can that possibly work? And it's like, well, what my mind said at this point, and this was some wisdom coming in, what my mind said at that point is, well, nothing else has worked I might as well try this. <laughs> so, okay, you know, so I, I did. I, I was willing to suspend those thoughts, it's not going to work, and just see what would happen. And to my surprise, actually pretty quickly, I saw how it does work. You know, that, that it basically takes the juice or the fuel out of those difficult states of mind to turn towards how does it feel. So try and see. This is a, a, um, a quality that the, the Buddha talks about. He says, the Dharma asks us to come and see, to try it for ourselves. So we learn whether something works. I mean, the Dharma actually is kind of counterintuitive at times. Just this very teaching around, you know, turn towards your anger. It's kind of counterintuitive, at least it was to me. Um, but we can't think our way to understanding that. It really, for me at least, it took, it took trying it and seeing how it worked rather than, because the way our thoughts work, our thoughts are just so caught in our, our own patterns, our thoughts are caught in the way our worldview is set. So it's hard for that those thoughts to kind of get out of that world view. Whereas when we turn with direct experience, turn with direct awareness to our experience, it helps to break us out of our world view by allowing us to see actually what it is, how it is for us in this moment. And so if you find yourself questioning, how is this going to work? This is a key uh, thing that's worked for me. Well, let me just try it. Let me just see what happens if I try what's suggested. So we learn whether and how something works by being willing to engage. Doubt, another kind of doubt. I think a lot of the doubt that we have around uh, our own capacity often does come with other emotions, such as self-loathing, um, 
So it can be helpful if you notice that kind of doubt or, you know, just check in for yourself if doubt is happening. Are there other emotions going on? In my... um, One time I was... was, um, thought I was caught in doubt at a retreat. I just felt, I, I don't remember what the story was at this point. It was, it was some time ago. Um, but I decided I would ask a question about doubt in the meditation hall. We had a, a morning session every morning where we could ask questions of the teachers. And so I framed my question. I was sitting there... Um, you know, trying to understand, you know, what is it? You know, what is the question I want to ask? And that can actually be an interesting reflection to, to, to kind of refine what the question is. So as I was refining my question about doubt, what I heard was that every single sentence that I framed the question as began with the two words, I'm afraid. And then after a while of framing this, like, wait a minute. Maybe this is, this thing that I'm experiencing is doubt. Maybe it's actually, maybe there's some fear there. <laughs> so, so I was paying attention while I was framing the question and saw how the mind framed it with fear. And so I began, I never even got a chance to ask my question. But um, I began looking to see if fear was present. It was all over the place. And I had not seen it before. The doubt, what I was experiencing is doubt. The can I do this, you know, um, what do these teachings have to tell me, vanished when I recognized, oh, fear. Fear is happening. And I could practice with fear. It was just little subtle bits of fear. You know, I'd be walking down a hallway and somebody else would appear in the hallway and be like, oh, just little bits of fear all over the place. So we, it, when we see doubt is happening, you, can check, you might check in, you know, kind of, sometimes I think of opening up. It's like, what else is happening here right now? Is there an emotion happening? Sometimes if we just check in like that, another emotion can reveal itself. For myself, I've seen several kind of underlying feelings. And um, I'll see if we can open up and see if there's some others that you are cognizant of for your own um, doubts. For me, I noticed um, feelings of vulnerability underlying doubt. Um, Feelings of inadequacy as the low self-esteem, so feelings of inadequacy. I can't possibly do this. Fear of failure was underlying doubt. How, you know, what if I fail? Um, Fear of the unknown was underlying doubt. What's out there? If I actually opened this, you know, what would it mean to have a heart that doesn't resist pain? So fear of the unknown. So what other, do you have other kinds of um, feelings that 
come. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Either. Either. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So the question was, is this on the cushion or is this in daily life? And it's uh, it's either. Yes. Practice in both realms. Yeah. Yeah, Joel. Um, I get a lot for certain parts of my life and to a certain extent the practice I'd say it's more my life out there you know the well I've tried this so many times or the comparing mind you know I've it doesn't seem to work like it works for you yeah it works for you but it uh-huh, so okay. I, I get a lot of that and, and it, it led me and it's pretty obvious but it led me to look at what we've been talking about you know, there's, is this the right path? Is this the right this? Is this the right that? Versus, I think this is an okay path. It seems to be okay. It's just, am I doing it well enough? Am I, you know, they're, you know, all having good meditations and maybe mine's not so good. And, and I, I think there's, there's both in me. Uh-huh. Um, but I notice a lot. And, and I had kind of a funny story, although it's, you know, a tiny little thing. But uh, it, someone, after I went to this, dating thing Saturday night. It's one of this, and it was pretty nice, interesting. And the next night, Sunday night, I took a walk with someone I know, and she was talking about, I went to East West Bookstore, and they had a thing on your soulmate. So immediately my mind said, okay, I'm not married. I've never been married. I'm not going to meet my, I mean, immediately doubt arose. I mean, it was major time. It's like, okay, this is nothing new, but I could see it. It's like, and I'm telling the person that it's not going to happen. I don't care how much practice and this, that, and the other. I don't care how good these Buddhist teachers are in teaching me. I'm not going <laughs> to. Immediately, I was just it's like, I was just writing it off. It was, it was hilarious. So, so what's the emotion under there? The, the emotion is probably not good enough. And the evidence, well, I have all this evidence in the past. And I, I'd had a relationship for about nine months that didn't work out. This person actually left me. And, you know, still kind of working on that one, and I'm going, okay, I had another example recently. And the, the funny thing is, at this speed dating thing, there was one person I was kind of interested in, and I just got an email yesterday, this person is interested in dating me. So you can see the way my, I can see the way my mind, sometimes when things, even something maybe good is going to come on the horizon, my mind will, you know, go immediately say it's not going to work. It's not yeah. going to work, and uh-huh. look at all these past evidences yep. that yes. show that self-fulfilling prophecy. It's a self-fulfilling <laughs> prophecy. Exactly. So, you know, I I say my number a lot is okay. The path of yeah, Buddhism seems a good path. You know, am I doing it well? Or this this you know the soulmate? I think there's something to that. But am I, you know? So so one of the I mean one of the things too. Um, uh, along the path that I just want to point to here. I mean, it, it sounds a lot like the feeling of inadequacy is the is the underlying yeah, so feeling. Um, but if we are engaging in a path like this with the idea that this result will happen, that so. itself is right. Right. Is, is yeah. And and fortunately, I had enough practice. 
to see that. To see that. Okay, and then to see that, that's not what this is about. You don't go here saying, hey, we're going to get an enlightenment result in four years or else. I mean, it's obviously that's not what's going on. Here. Right, and what does it, what we have an idea of what does it mean to, right. to right. you know, become open, you know. When our hearts open, it means everybody will love me and I'll have all the relationships that I want. And, you know, that, <laughs> that kind of, um, you know, the, the way that mind is working, it's not... It's it's looking for something, right? And the it's that's the very antithesis of the practice in a way. You know, the practice right. we have to we have to. It's like we we stop looking, and we rest in what is, and that becomes okay, completely, utterly okay. Yeah. Right. And fortunately, you know, if 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 I hadn't been practicing, you know, especially the last few years, I think it, these things states of mind would be more difficult. Yes. But knowing, hey, I've got an inner joy, I've got an inner something that's really nice. And that's helps. really helpful yeah. as a counter to doubt, actually, um, to recognize, like with the practice, the joy, the, the ease, the, you know, the, when, it's not, when doubt is not present, you know, recognize what's that state like. You know, the Buddha actually talked about the absence of doubt being a feeling of safety. Inner safety. The that, inner safety, that's, that's yeah. Much more prevalent. Yeah. Thank you. Anyone else? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm, because I'm going through something right now, um, <laughs> excuse my um, inarticulateness. When you were talking about doing the practice, and I think you said something like um, fear of doing it right. And, and maybe think of fear of success. And fear of, I said fear of failure. Fear right? of failure. Fear of Thank failure, you. Right. Uh-huh. Thank, well, they're kind of... Well, well anyway, um, what wells up for me, it's, had, it's happened before, is if this doesn't work for me, specialness, um, but what wells up is just this fear of despair. Oh, okay. Because I've, I've come through a very black depression where I kind of, it sounds weird, but I kind of lived in despair. And so I was, it, it frightens me. Yeah. So, um, so that sounds like the kind of under, one of the underlying feelings. It's kind of almost like, do I want to try this because what if it doesn't work? Then where am I? Essentially, so it's almost like we're you, you kind of hold back because you're afraid. Because my feeling is, as you, you said, it's worked for I'm sure millions of people for 2,600 years, and again, specialness. It's not going to work for me. Catherine, yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm I, well. I am the center of the universe, so, <laughs> you know, but um, just. I guess what I'm trying to learn is to trust the the words the words that will lead the words and the thoughts that will lead to openness and a better sense of being. Yes. Uh-huh. So trust actually the word trust is key here. Um, trust is kind of the counterpoint to doubt. Um, 
often the the word that's used to counterpoint doubt is faith, but the Pali word for that's often translated as faith, sadha, um, also can be translated as confidence or trust. And so, you know, when we place, I mean, so it's actually an interesting question. What are we placing our trust on? Even when we're doubting, we're trusting something. We're trusting our insecurity or we're trusting our um, confusion in a way. And so what is it that we're trusting? And what might be something that we could trust that uh, would... would um, you know, can I can I even take a step towards trusting meeting experience? Can I even take a step towards that? So the trust, what you said, um, the trust in um, an open heart. Can I trust that? So you know, that's another place in a way, kind of like I talked about taking a little step into the feelings of inadequacy and then coming back. Sometimes we have to take little steps into trust and then come back because it can be scary. You know, it's like, what does it mean to open the heart? I mean, there's, there's, there, there's um, you know, when fear comes around opening, often I suggest, okay, you don't have to force yourself through that fear any more than you have to force yourself to feel the feelings of inadequacy. It's like, oh, you know, when I try, when I explore what it might mean to open the heart, fear, fear comes up. So sometimes fear is a, is a signal for us. Okay, that's enough. So, so working with opening the heart as far as I can in this moment, in a way, finding ways that we can take little baby steps into that, and then acknowledging, okay, that's enough. Let me come back to something where I feel a little bit more grounded, a little bit more secure, so that we, you know, we, we can take little baby steps into the, into the inadequacy and, again, small steps into the, into the opening and trusting as well. Any other? Yeah. Um, I'm not exactly sure how to express this, but um, sometimes... I feel a conflict between, it's almost like a sense of self or this is my job, my job is to do this series of actions and uh, practice, it could be a distraction, it could get me off track or something like that. And uh, yeah, some of the things that have already been said, I think just uh, it's the experience of what the practice brings. Mm-hmm. That you know that it makes it makes that series of actions <laughs> more more real, more enjoyable, more uh, anyway. Yeah, so that's kind of recognizing that you know sometimes we think you know the kind of the the idea of well, if I were a good Buddhist, I'd just sit here and things let things be as they are. I don't do anything, but that's not actually what the path is. You know, we do take action. With awareness, we take action. With clear understanding of what our intention is, we take action. And we understand the consequences of those actions. All of that serves to help us to open our hearts and to understand how we get caught and stuck. 
how we move towards more happiness. So you're right that, you know, it's not either or. It's not either I engage in these actions or I practice. We can engage in these actions and watch how we engage in those actions. So that, that wavering of the sense of, oh, I don't have time to practice right now, I have these things to do, or the practice will get in the way of doing these things, that's doubt. So, you know, again, you don't have to, we, we have the idea sometimes of, well, what it would mean to practice right now would be to stop doing those things. The question instead becomes, how can the practice enter right into that activity? So what would it mean to practice in this very thing? So exploring that question as opposed to some idea of what I think practice is. Yeah. And I think you, you see that at times in your practice. You, you already see that. Anyone else have any? Um, yeah, Bill and then Arthur. Um, I trust my judgment, but the judgment gets me in trouble. (laughs) I feel sometimes as if I'm, you know, on a steep cliff and I found a little ledge about halfway up and I, but I'm afraid to go or it's very scary to go farther up or far or to go back down. Uh-huh. I don't know if I'm, my metaphors are making any sense, but so is that in in terms of the practice? You yeah. feel like you're like halfway up. Well, or? in terms of my usual daily life, I feel like you know I cat I, I catch myself judging. Of course, that word "catch" means I've judged my judging <laughs> to be not so helpful. But I but I just I feel very unwilling to let go of it. Uh-huh. So that's because it's safe where my judging goes on, it seems. Yes, yeah, so so in that kind of thing there, I mean the the very thing to explore there is like you said at the very beginning, it gets me in trouble sometimes. Trusting my judgment gets me in trouble sometimes. And so what we can begin to do is to recognize, okay, that trusting that judgment that didn't help so much. You know, so, so looking at, reflecting on that, you know, well, and this, this takes kind of practicing over a long time. You know, it's, 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 uh, it's kind of looking at how your mind works over time. So, okay, here's a judgment. Being conscious of it, recognizing, okay, here it is, and perhaps looking at it, weighing it. It's like, okay, well, right now, the best thing I can see is that trusting this judgment feels like the right thing to do. So I'll do that, and then let's see. watch the consequences unfold. So that you go into it with open eyes, and then you might see how it unfolds leads to getting you in trouble, or perhaps how it unfolds actually, you know, that there was something skillful in that. So we begin to kind of discern the, uh, the skillful so it's like whether whether judgment is discernment or has some kind of um, stickiness to it. 
And so we, we can begin to discern those. So start where you are. Start where you are. I mean, that's, that's one of the things I love about the Buddha's teachings. He really encourages us to start where we are and look at that and do the best that we can in that moment and watch what happens. Watch the consequences. And we learn from the consequences. We don't learn by not acting. We learn, by, we learn from our mistakes, essentially. Yeah. So uh, this, this, I guess, is about the complexity of things and how everything gets mixed together and how it's hard to sort it all out. And um, uh, um, so, you know, there are the shifts in your life. Is that on? Yeah. Okay, good. Probably not speaking. There we go. There we go. Um, Shifts in your life from, from one thing to another. Things are prominent, not prominent. I was noticing for... In, in regard to noticing some shift, also noticing a lot of doubt about um, um, things, people in general, and other things, myself. None of it made any sense. I recognized it as doubt, but it didn't make any kind of sense. About a week ago, I was talking to a Dharma friend, and she, mentioned, she said, just offhandedly, well, loneliness, it's an afflictive emotion. And, and that stuck in my mind. Well, it, it just was a piece of a much bigger conversation, mm-hmm. but I went home and I've been thinking about it for a week. And as I think of the emotion of a loneliness as, a, as an afflictive emotion, and then I, today's discussion about doubt, it's amazing how the, the two fit together mm-hmm. and how the emotion is feeding the doubt and yes. how the doubt is feeding the emotion and how it's a loop that's going on. Yes. And I just happened to be in the right frame of mind or state to see this one and or see some of it. Um, so that, that's an interesting um, recognition for you. You know, when you hear these doubt thoughts, you could check in. Is loneliness happening? You know, is there that connection? You know, so we, we can, you know, in this reflective process, we can come to see, oh, wow, maybe they're actually connected. And then the practice becomes seeing them in operation in the moment. So for the past couple of days, I've been looking at some of these emotions, this doubt as it's come up. And um, I check in with where I'm feeling that and what it feels like. And really, what it's feeling like is the other emotion, not yes. the doubt. Yes, and exactly. And it's really, it's quite, yeah. it's quite a revealing, um, very revealing. Yeah, it's, it's really wonderful. I remember on one retreat, too, I had this question of, um, you know, I felt like I was in doubt about the practice. Should I be doing this? And at some point... I recognize, well, what does doubt feel like? You know, I, I checked in. Well, what does it feel like actually to feel this doubt? And what I felt was grief. It's like, wow, this isn't even doubt. This is grief. But the mind had kind of turned it. So, yeah, um, that's a beautiful thing to check. Oh, what does it feel? Oh, it actually feels like loneliness. So that's a great uh, exploration. Uh, just something you said now. So the dynamic of the, the, the thinking is doubt. 
Yes. That's the way to ca- that's the way I'd characterize yes. it. Yes. Yes. But if I go below the surface of of uh, the the characterization of what I'm thinking, what is to how, what you're feeling, what I'm feeling, yes, is really quite different than 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 the thought. Yes. Yes. Great. So I want to just say one last piece. Uh, we got two minutes on this clock. Um, about what, what the, came up at the beginning, turning doubt towards inquiry. Um, so sometimes, um, you know, we can have questions like, how does this work? Um, or um, is it possible to be free from suffering? You know, that could be framed as, can't possibly be possible. I can't do that. But the question itself can be turned towards how might it be possible? What, I'm, not, I'm not there now, but what, what might be possible there? And so this is really about... Um, so all of the questions, many of the questions around doubt, who, you know, who to trust... Uh, whether the teachings are are legitimate, uh, whether the Buddha had anything to say to us, um, what what our teachers tell us, many of those can be turned to. Again, it's like come and see. It's like, well, let me look, let me inquire into this. The Buddha did not say, "Trust me absolutely. Here's the truth. Believe it." He said, "Trust me to." Inquire. He said, this practice will help you if you try it. He, he didn't say, just believe it. So those doubts can be turned towards inquiry to a kind of a critical investigation of what is this? What's happening? How does this apply to what I'm experiencing? So the Buddha really encouraged this kind of inquiry. So that's a, kind of a, a turning point around doubt. And um, the next time I'm here, which actually will be a couple weeks, I'm, a, I'm going off to teach another retreat. <laughs> but the next time I'm here, I'll talk about that question of critical inquiry. Um, and the, the Buddha's, um, he, ha- he had a beautiful discourse on, uh, some people came to him and said, we have all these doubts about who to trust. These people say this, and these people say that. And he said, doubt has arisen in you about a perplexing matter. It's fitting for you to doubt. And investigate with that doubt. So, and then he went into a whole discourse, which is what I'll, I'll explore the next time I'm here. So, Thank you for your attention and participation.